King of kings and the Lord of lords. Listen, our hope isn't found in the White House. Our hope isn't found in President Trump or President Biden. Our hope is found in Jesus Christ. And I praise the Lord for it. Listen, there's no politician that can fix our country. The only thing that could fix America is Christ and the gospel. And I hope we understand that. I want to say thank you to Pastor for allowing me to preach tonight. And of course, several weeks ago, I had this privilege. And as I said, I love preaching. My favorite thing to do in the entire world. And I want to say thank you publicly to him for allowing me to uh, preach the word tonight. I want to give a quick testimony just real briefly, just to kind of encourage you all in some things that are happening in our children's ministry. Um, we've seen some great things happen this year through Kids City and Kids Jam, of course, Vacation Bible School. And God has been doing a great work. He's been doing a wonderful work in the hearts and lives of these boys and girls. As many as you know, on Kids Jam, Kids Jam takes place every Wednesday night at 6.30, and we see a great group of young people come, and God has really blessed it in numerical growth, but the most important thing is that He's blessed it spiritually. And uh, every Wednesday night, I say this without hesitation, every single Wednesday night, we give the gospel. And uh, Scott and Miss Karen can tell you that, we give the gospel every single night, every single Wednesday Right now, we're going through a series. We have a space theme right now, and so we're going through a space theme, but it's on the life of Abraham. And uh, Scott gave the lesson this last Wednesday, and he tied the gospel in it, and at the end, he said, if there's anybody here that does not know Christ as your Savior, would you lift your hands? Well, three boys lifted their hands. So I went to the back there, and I went to the kids' city room, me and Brother John Altice, and I took him back there, and I questioned two of the three, and I said, have you asked Christ to save you? They said, yes. I said, okay, well, great. I said, uh, well, let me ask you this. If you die today, where would you go? Because I always make sure I want them to know. They said, well, I go to heaven. I said, wonderful. Well, why would you go to heaven? They said, because I've asked Christ to save me. Well, great. I can't get a better answer than that. Well, I come to the last boy, a little boy, six years old. His name is Daniel. And he first started coming when he, uh, he first started coming with our vacation Bible school this last year. His mom brings him and I said, Daniel, I said, have you ever asked the Lord Jesus Christ to save you? He said, no. I said, really? I said, you've never done that. Working in children's ministry, a lot of them have done it multiple times, you know. He said, no. I said, not once. He said, no. I said, all right. So I took the Bible, and I showed him how to be saved. And Brother John was right there next to me. And I went through, and I said, Brother I said, uh, I said Daniel, when I was a five-year-old boy, just a year younger than you, I said, I prayed, and I asked Christ to save me. I said, it wasn't the prayer that saved me, but it was putting my faith and trust in Jesus, asking him to forgive me of my sin and asking him to be my Lord and Savior and believing in him. I said, Daniel, I said, do you want to pray tonight and do you want to ask Christ to save you? He said, yes. I said, are you sure? He said, yes. I said, well, let's pray, Daniel. So Daniel prayed and he bowed his head and trusted Christ. I said, Daniel, I said, uh, I said, Daniel, did you really mean that? Did you really put your faith in Jesus? He said, yes. I said, so Daniel, let me ask you this. If you die today, Daniel, or Christ came back, I said, because Jesus is coming again. I said, Daniel, where would you go? He said, I'd go to heaven. I said, Daniel, why would you go to heaven? I said, I'm not trying to trick you now. I said, Daniel, why would you go to heaven? He said, because I prayed and asked Jesus to save me. And uh, I just want to say praise the Lord for that. And uh, this year, I've kind of been, I'm just curious, curious on how many children we've had saved and baptized through our ministry. And so I'm keeping track with Kids Jam, Kids City, Harvest Festival, and Vacation Bible School, since they all correlate with Calvary Kids. And including VBS, Kids City, and Kids Jam, so far this year, we've seen 57 young boys and girls come to know Christ. And uh, listen, it's the Lord. 
All glory and praise to God. And I'm so thankful for what he's doing. That's pretty good for a city that doesn't have kids, right? <laughs> and uh, praise the Lord. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Tonight's message is going to be something that you've heard before. There's nothing new under the sun, as Solomon said. In fact, if you were raised in church like me, you've probably heard this story countless times over and over again. But I always think that it's good to have a reminder in certain things in Scripture. No matter how much we've heard it, no matter how many times we've heard it, it's always good to go back and hear something from God's Word. And tonight we're going to do just that. It's a simple message, but I hope that it can be a blessing to you, and I pray that the Lord speaks to your heart tonight as He's done to mine through the study of this message here. If you would, open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. 1 Samuel chapter 17, in verse number 1. And I'm not going to read, of course, the entire passage here, but I think if you understand where 1 Samuel 17 is, you understand the story and where I'm going to go tonight. But 1 Samuel chapter 17, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, and were gathered together to Shaco, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shaco and Ezekah and Ephes Damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah, and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. If you would, go down to verse number 8. The Bible says, And he stood, talking about Goliath, and he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for whom, uh, for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now we're going to skip quite a few verses here, but now we know that David comes on the scene. And he goes to Saul and he says, Saul, I'm going to go out and fight this man. And I'm going to paraphrase now. Saul says, are you crazy? You're just a teenager. You're just a young boy. All right, fine, I'll let you fight. But at least go out and take this armor and put this armor on to go and fight this Philistine. Well, of course, we know that David couldn't fit the armor because it was too heavy. And then the Bible comes to verse number 40. And he took his staff in his hand, of course, David, and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came, out, or came on and drew near unto David. And the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog, that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his God. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. 
Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with the spear and with the shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thy head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host to the Philistines this day, unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. For all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. Watch this now. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. I want to preach to you just momentarily on that thought, that phrase that David said, the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Father, help us tonight. Lord, we need you. Lord, I cannot do this alone. Father, would you fill me with your spirit? Would you give me your power, Lord? Would you give me an unction from the Holy One tonight? Father, would you give me the words to say, hide me behind the cross, Lord. Speak to me and through me and for me. Lord, may your word go forth with great power. Father, we need you, Lord. Help us, God. May the spirit of God work tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. The subject of a 2004 movie called Miracle, The Miracle on Ice, refers to the incredible story of the U.S. men's ice hockey team made up of college players against the Soviet Union's, Union's professionals in the semifinals of a gold medal winning campaign in the 1980 Winter Olympics. Now a lot of you or most of you in this room probably knows what happens next. The teams were so far apart in quality, in fact, that the Soviets beat the U.S. in a pre-Olympic exposition at the Madison Square Garden just days before the Olympics by a score of 10 to 3. Having overcome eternal conflict and being put through testing training over a few months by Coach Herb Brooks, the U.S. team surprised everybody in the games by tying with Sweden and beating Czechoslovakia, a silver medal favorite at that time before reeling off three wins to qualify the Soviets meanwhile romped through their group in the semi-final the Soviets took the lead three times but were pegged back each time by a resilient and sturdy U.S. side until finally team captain um, Mike uh, Erzoni put them in the lead with 10 minutes to play a frantic nine minutes and 50 seconds later came the famous call from ABC broadcaster Al Michaels. You've got 10 seconds, the countdown going on right now. Five seconds left on the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. The U.S. would beat Finland in the final to win gold. But it was the win over the Soviets that they would be remembered for. The victory was voted the greatest sports moment of the 20th century by Sports Illustrated, whose cover of the March 3, 1980 issue had no headlines, headlines accompanying the photograph of the American players celebrating because, as photog photographer Heinz Kludemeyer put it, everyone in America knew what happened. 
In 1 Samuel chapter 17, it tells us the classic matchup between the Israelites and the Philistines. These two people were long-standing enemies who showed up often on the field of combat to do battle. For them, the contest was always about one thing, which people would serve the other. History tells us that such battles as this were often decided by having each side choose their bravest and strongest warrior. These two men would then meet between the opposing forces and fight to the death. When the contest was ended, the side that lost would become the servants of the victor. This seems to be what was happening here in the valley of Elah. The only problem with this situation was the fact that the Philistine champion was no ordinary soldier. In fact, the Bible tells us that he was quite an impressive, an impressive piece of humanity. In 1 Samuel uh, uh, chapter 17, verses 4 through 7, it tells us about this man's stats. He was about 9 feet 9 inches tall. He wore armor that weighed approximately 175 pounds. He carried a spear that was like a long heavy weaver's beam that weighed 17 pounds with a spearhead that weighed in at about 15 pounds. This was no ordinary soldier. Verses 5 through 6 tell us that this man was covered from head to toe in armor that was made of solid brass. Imagine this 10-foot dude stepping down on the mountain across the valley of Elah just as the sun began to climb high against the Palestinian sky. This man came down the eastern face of a mountain and as the sun hit the brass, he must have looked like some kind of solid gold monster. No wonder he struck fear into the hearts of God's people. Every day for 40 days, this giant appeared before the armies of Israel and mocked them. They cur he cursed their God and challenged them to send someone out to fight him. Verses 10 through 16 tell us that. He did this every morning and every evening for 40 days. And every day, Saul and the army of Israel trembled in their armor and were, were afraid to go and fight this giant. It must have looked like the Philistines were going to win this battle. But thank God that the Lord always has his man. About this time, a young boy named David steps onto the scene. And he was already him handpicked by the Lord to be the next king of Israel. We find that in 1 Samuel 16. And now he was sent by his father Jesse to go and carry supply to the supplies to David's brothers who were fighting in Saul's army. When David arrives at the battle scene, when he arrives there at the place of battle, he is speaking with his brothers when suddenly Goliath makes one of his twice daily appearances and repeats his challenge in his taunts. This time things were going to be just a little bit different. All the soldiers still panicked in fear. And the soldiers still trembled in their armor. But this time, Goliath and his threats were heard by a young man who believed in God. David took certain steps in setting this situation right, uh, right there for a clear portrait of the walk of faith that should be exhibited in every Christian's life. David shows us what faith does when faith is faced with giants Battles and obstacles. So as we look at this passage of Scripture and as we think of this thought, the battle is the Lord, I want to share with you several, several truths that I see here tonight. Number one, I see the first truth. I see the challenge of the champion. 
The challenge of the champion, verse number four, the Bible says, And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath. Verse number 23 tells us the same thing, talking about Goliath. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name. Our text here says that, of course, Goliath was a Philistine. Now, the Philistines were one of the Canaanite tribes that left uh, that were left over from Israel's conquest of the Promised Land. They were a powerful, warlike people known for their expert skill in metallurgy. They crafted superior armor and weapons of war. They were also pagan idolaters. They crafted. Uh, uh, they worshipped the god of Dagon, the fish god. The Philistines occupied a region that extended from the shores of the Mediterranean Sea in the west to the foot of the mountains of Judah in the east. Goliath was a pagan Gentile idol worshiper. He was the enemy of Israel and he was the enemy of God. But the issue here is the warriors, the Philistines have chosen to fight for them. His name, of course, is Goliath. That name means splendor, and he was a splendid physical man. Goliath was from the city of Gath. Gath was one of the five major cities of Philistia, and it was located just west of the mountain of Judah in southern Israel. It was a very strategic military city on the Philistine-Israelite border, and the people of Gath, as you read the scriptures, are often referred to as the, the Gidditites. But Goliath was a very formidable soldier. No doubt everyone saw him, that saw him, feared him. No one wanted to face him in battle. He appeared indestructible and inconquerable. The Bible says in verse number 11 that when Israel heard the taunts of Goliath, that they were dismayed and greatly afraid. That word dismayed means to break down from fear. The phrase greatly afraid suggests that they were overcome with exceeding great terror. The army of Israel was horror-struck, they were petrified, they were panic-stricken, and they were alarmed. And the appearance and the presence and the threats of the giant Goliath literally left the soldiers and the king of Israel paralyzed with fear. Goliath possessed all the trademark characteristics of a true giant. He was big, he was intimidating, he was bold, he was persistent, he was out for blood, he wanted to take the, uh, the power away from God's people and wanted total control over them. Goliath achieved his primary goal. He left the people of God intimidated and broken and he held absolute power over Israel and her king. I say all of that to say this because tonight there are some of us in this room that are facing Goliath. Let me ask you a question tonight. What giants are you facing today? Is there anyone or anything in your life that resembles Goliath? What I'm asking this, what I'm asking is this. Are there events, circumstances, or people in your life that leave you paralyzed with fear? We all deal with giants from time to time. And you might be dealing with a giant right here tonight. But can I tell you, people of faith have long faced giants in their lives and have been plagued by fear, discouragement, loneliness, worry, guilt, temptation, anger, resentment, doubt, failure, and jealousy. Remember that when those giants arrive in our life, that the battle is the Lord. Goliath was the greatest threat, the greatest challenge that the people of Israel had faced up to this, uh, had faced at this point in time in the history of Israel. 
They didn't know what to do because across from them was the giant, was Goliath, was the champion of the Philistines. Can I tell you that as a Christian today, yes, we deal with the giants spiritually and we deal with the giants one-on-one and on our own. But as Christians as a whole, the world has their giants. The world has these propagandas. They have this theology. They have this doctrine. And they flaunt it in our face. And they say, bow down. And they say, there's nothing you can do. But can I tell you that... When we look at that giant, we can say this battle is not my battle, but this battle is the Lord's. Listen, we don't have to fear anything in the world. We don't have to fear what they throw at us because we have God on our side. Listen, the world can raise up a champion. The world can raise up their giant Goliath. And there might be a giant Goliath in your life right now. But let me tell you, the battle is the Lord's. Listen, you don't have to face this battle on your own. It's the Lord's. Give it to him. The challenge of the champion. What, what, what were the Israelites going to do? What, were they gonna, what was going to happen? Number two, I see this. I see the courage of the confrontation. The courage of the confrontation. Verse number 31. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed him before Saul and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with the Philistine. Verses 40 through 44, we see David confront that giant Goliath. And he has those five smooth stones in his hand. And he's about to go to war. He's about to go to battle. But listen, David was determined that he would go into battle with the things that had always worked for him in the past. David knew that the God who had always come through in the past was the God who would still come through in the present. Listen, David didn't know anything about shields or spears and swords. He wasn't schooled in armies and armor and archery, yet David knew God. He knew that God had always given him the victory in the past, and he knew that God does not change. He knew it was the same God who let him defeat that bear. He knew it was the same God who let him defeat that lion. And it's the same God who's going to let him defeat the giant that he's facing there in that battle. David knew that God was greater than any giant. He also knew that God had a plan for his life and that plan did not include him dying at the hand of Goliath. So when David went out to fight, he only took those things that had worked for him in the past. He took his staff, his sling, the five smooth stones and God Almighty. Listen, tonight you can try any method you please to defeat the giants in your life. You can attend the latest seminars. You can read the newest books. You can climb on the latest bandwagon. You can pray the prayer of Jabez. You can strive for a purpose-driven life. But when it is all said and done, giant killing gets really simple. It comes down to one simple basic truth. The just shall live by faith and the battle is the Lord's. David walked down into that valley directly into an impossible situation. Whenever I I preach or teach on this subject in Kids City, I always ask the kids, I say, should David really have won this fight? No, he shouldn't have. David's just a teenager. David was just a shepherd boy. But what made David different? He had God on his side. David was doubted by some He was ridiculed by the giant, yet his faith allowed David to accomplish everything that fear denied Saul and the others. 
My dear friend, you may not see your giants fall on the instance you exercise faith in God, but don't let that cause you to lose hope. You see, you cannot, you cannot always believe what the eyes of flesh see, but you can always believe what the eyes of faith see. Let me say that again. You cannot always believe what the eyes of the flesh see, but you can always believe what the eyes of faith see. It may look like you're outgunned, outnumbered, and in an impossible situation. It looked that way for David. It looked that way for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It looked that way for Daniel and the lion's den. It looked that way for the disciples while they were out on that storm. It looked that way for Jesus when he was hanging on the cross. But I would like to remind you tonight that we serve a God who specializes in doing the impossible. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The courage of the confrontation. Listen, if you will bring that hopeless, impossible situation to him and then go and face it in faith, you will see him snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. It takes courage and it takes faith to face the giants in life. But with God, those giants can be defeated. And whatever giant you're facing, whatever giant you do face, give it to God because the battle is the Lord. The courage of the confrontation. Listen, we need some Christians who are going to be courageous and stand up for what's right. Number three, I want to share with you this tonight. I see the confidence of the conquest. The confidence of the conquest, verse number 45. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with the shield. But watch this. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel whom thou hast defiled. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand and I will smite thee and take thy head from thee and I will give it to the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day and to the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. There came a time now when the talking must stop and the action must begin. The time had come for David to take that which he had already been given by the Lord. He walked down into that valley. He faced the giant. He declared his faith in God. He slung that stone and he killed that giant Goliath. What a moment it must have been for young David to see God do something so incredible that no one believed but David. Listen, there is a time when the talking must stop and the taking needs um, taking needs must begin. And as we face our own giants day by day, isn't it about time we started taking by faith some of the things that we have only talked about until now? For instance, we talk about God providing for us, but we still worry over our finances. We talk about God's grace in every situation, but we still act like we're going, we aren't going to make it. We talk about God being in control of our lives, but we live like our lives are out of control. It's time that we stop talking about all that we could have in Jesus, and it's time we start taking it. Listen, David defeated Goliath because he was willing to take what God had given him by faith. The same thing will work in your life today and mine. As we face our giants, we have already been promised victory and we can take it. How? By doing what David did and putting our faith in God. My dear friend, whether you believe me or not tonight, here's the truth of the matter. We all can be giant killers. Not because you possess any power, but because you serve a God who possesses all power.
Not because your aim is good, but because you serve a God that never misses. Not because you deserve anything at all from God, but because He has promised to give you His victory through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. What made this victory possible? It wasn't David's ability with a sling. It wasn't David's power or his skill as a warrior. The secret to David's success and Goliath's death all came down to one word, and that's the word faith. David believed God, and God handed David the victory. The confidence of the conquest. Number four, I see the consequences of the conflict. The consequences of the conflict, verses 48 through 54, tell us what happened next. David took that stone, put it in the sling, hit that giant in the forehead. Some scholars that I've read believe that God actually sunk that stone into his forehead. The Bible says that Goliath fell face down. Boom. It's over. David finishes his victory speech and goes out to meet Goliath. As I just mentioned, he slings one stone and hits the only exposed spot on the giant's body and sinks it into his head, and Goliath falls to the ground. So Goliath is down, and David had promised to take, excuse me, the giant's head off. But he doesn't even have a sword, so he runs to Goliath, and he stands on his body. He draws this giant's sword, and what happens next? Cut off his head. David had won the victory. To be sure, David runs uh, over to the fallen body of the giant. He wants to make sure he's really dead, so he does. Now the Israelites are inspired by David's faith and courage and join the battle and rout the enemy. David walks off the battlefield with a giant's sword in one hand and a giant's head in the other. When we face giants in our life, may we have the courage to stand up for what is right. Listen, as I mentioned earlier, the world has its giants. And they'll use, it, they'll use those giants to discourage us, to get us down, to depress us, to defeat us. But with courage and faith in God, we can defeat those giants. Listen, our battles are not ours to fight. They are God's. And you can face your, you cannot, uh, you can face your giants in your own strength. You can face your giants with no help. You can face your giants by your own way. But each and every time you will fail and you will lose. Give your battles to God and allow Him to defeat Goliath for you consequences of the conflict number five and i'll be done i see the call to continue the challenge the call to continue the challenge what happens next david takes that head he takes that armor he goes through israel and he shows the whole city he shows the whole country that they've won can I tell you tonight, I want to encourage, encourage all of us here tonight, including myself, to continue what David started. I want to challenge you to be like David and to have courage and faith in God. We can face our own Goliaths with confidence and strength in God. 
Listen, David didn't know swords and spears. He knew God and he knew stones. He just stuck to the things that had always worked. He simply relied on God to give him the victory over the giant. My friend, that still works today. Genuine faith looks beyond the problem to see God who is able. You need to remember that you, uh, you can't, uh, you can't, but he still can. Listen, he is still the great I am. And did you know that his name is an open-ended statement. I am what? Whatever his children need him to be, he is. He's not some washed up, some has been God. No, he is still the great I am. And he can still take care of those Goliaths that afflict you and me from time to time. So give your battle to the Lord. I want to challenge you tonight to continue the fight, to continue to live by faith, to continue to believe the Lord, to continue to put our faith and trust in God. And let's continue the challenge that lies before us. Goliath is dead and Israel wins a great victory. David leaves the battlefield a great war hero. As a memento, he, uh, as a memento of his victory, he takes the army of Goliath, or excuse me, the armor of Goliath, and puts it in his tent. Now, David obviously would have looked ridiculous in Saul's armor, so imagine him wearing Goliath's armor. I imagine he hung it up. Years later, the giants of life came to David again and again, didn't they? I imagine that David probably put it to the corner, and when he saw it, he'd go through the files in his mind and in his head, and he'd go to the letter G, and he'd read these words. A note to sec, or excuse me, a second note to self. When facing giants in the future, just look in the corner and trust God. What kind of giant are you facing tonight? Do you fear that it can't be defeated? Listen, it can. Whether it is a giant of sin or of some difficulty in life, it can be defeated by the power of God. I challenge you to bring that giant to the feet of Jesus tonight. I want you to examine that giant. And I want you to have faith and courage and strength in the Lord and say, this battle's not mine. This battle is the Lord's. And he will give you the victory to win that battle.